It is good to be with you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors, and we're in Hebrews chapter 10. Will you go ahead and join me? Hebrews chapter 10. Let me give you a quick, though, as you turn to that, go ahead and do your thing. Tech-wise, if you've got the hard copy, Word of God, open up to it, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we've got this week, next week, Hebrews chapter 10. The next weekend, uh, we're going to jump into a series on Hebrews chapter 11 called Admire. And it's looking at the, Hebrew, uh, the, the heroes of faith that are throughout that chapter, an amazing chapter that we get to jump into and why we admire them and what we should be trying to emulate and to learn from them and imitate and all of these different things. So um, that's what's kind of taking place as we keep walking through the book of Hebrews. I went into this morning, though. This is a passage. I think sometimes we do, and I've talked about we glaze over. Um, maybe that's what you needed to say, I will not glaze over. Um, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a preview of the text today before we jump into the reading of the Word of God. It's kind of like a movie trailer. You, you, you kind of understand the premise of what's going to happen. Um, and then sometimes when you already have a better understanding of what's going to happen, then in the reading of it, you absorb it better. And so here, here's very quickly, before we stand for the reading of the Word of God, let me give you a quick preview. It's going to come on the screen for you. You might want to write your eyes. This is a Cliff Notes version of a Cliff Notes version. All right? Did, you, did any of you do that in school? Instead of reading the text, you just go by Cliff Notes? I, I did not. I was thorough um, and always, yeah. Um, that was rude. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 18, this is somewhat what it does. It, it talks about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So it talks about the sacrifices that were being offered before. We spoke about last week from Hebrews chapter 9, the fact that we know we look at the temple and all the cool things with that, but, but the fact that also that once a year that the high priest would go into the, the inner room, the throne room of God on the Day of Atonement. How many times a year? Once a year, and he kept paying for those sins over and over again. So once, uh, wh what we see here is that in Hebrews chapter 10, it's going to go into this with a, a few more details and then move forward with it. Chapter 10, verse 1, old sacrifices can never make perfect those who draw near. Could never do it. All right. Verse 2 says they couldn't completely cleanse you or, or make you whole. So if you kept coming and, and slicing the blood of of goats and, and right the jugular and here comes all the blood. You just had to keep doing it over and over again. It, it would never pay fully for the sins that you had. We know that the bull uh, or the blood of bulls it covers, but the blood of Jesus removes. Everybody say removes. It's a big difference for us. Also, because of what was happening with the old covenant, they were continually reminded of the sins. They could not take away the sins. They just kind of they lingered. Some of you have sins in your past that are lingering because you've never stepped into the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. They couldn't take away the sins. They lingered. It jumps down to verse 10. The blood of Jesus, though, meets the requirement. Complete forgiveness is in Jesus. Complete forgiveness is in Jesus. Jesus does not do this. Oh, here's, for forgi here's forgiveness. Don't worry about it. And then he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You need it. You need it. You didn't. I don't know. I don't know about that. Let's go back to what you did before. He doesn't do that. We do that. Jesus does not do that. 
And so there's complete forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Only a sacrifice, one single sacrifice was needed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You didn't have to keep bringing bulls and goats over and over and over and over again. And over and over and over and over again. Right? Didn't have to happen. He has now perfected for all time those being sanctified. We know this. This is in so many commentaries. You just see this layout. It just helps you to understand what's going on. God promises to no longer remember their sins. No longer remember. Say it. Wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? Because there is forgiveness, there is no longer any offering for sin. So this is what's taking place. And this is just a very general review so that now as we jump into the word of God, hopefully you better be able to understand what you're about to read and be a part of this morning. Why? Because we know that there's complete forgiveness in Jesus. That's what you have to, I'm telling you the meat of this. There's complete forgiveness in Jesus. And you're going, okay, I get it, I can go home now. No, we don't get it. Our lives would look different if we got it. So will you go ahead and stand for the reading of the word of God? Who's ready for the word of God? Yes? Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 10. Get ready to participate. As we go through it. For since the law has but a of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a of sins every year for it is for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins now remember we're going to get to the next slide but remember the blood of bulls covers the blood of Jesus we've got to get this consequently when Christ came into the world he said sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have have you prepared for me and burnt offerings and incense offerings you have taken no pleasure then i said behold i have come to do your i have come to do your o oh god as it is written of me in the scroll of the book Next section, let's go ahead and go to that. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your, says it again, take note. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we will have been through the, uh, the body of once for all. Once for all, you may be seated, this is the word of God. Once for all, once for all. Everybody say once for all. He says this over and over, once for all. Remember last week, he said it a couple times this week. He says once for all. Week before that, he said once for all, 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 once for all. I want you to get it ingrained in your mind and your heart that once for all, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin so that we might live victoriously in fellowship with God. We got to get it. And so here, chapter 10, 1 through 4, hopefully that meant a little bit more with a little bit of a preview there that you were able to have. You have a sacrificial system, which was a temporary solution. Why did Jesus come? Why did God allow his son to come? Very simple. So that we might have greater fellowship with the Father. 
That's a very simple way of thinking about it. So that we might have greater fellowship with the Father. So that the old covenant, the old way of doing things, was a temporary solution for that. And Jesus Christ stepped in to pay full price so that we can step into a greater fellowship with God. That's why he came. Now, if that's why he came and then you profess faith in Jesus Christ, that means you have to examine whether or not you're living in a full fellowship with God. If you're in a healthy place with God. Otherwise, you're neglecting that which Christ has done for you. So we know that it was a sacrificial system set up on a temporary solution to have fellowship with God, to know his presence. We know that we need, we need to be cleansed in order to be with God. We know that sin separates us from God, so we must be clean before we approach him. That temporary blood offering helped with that, but we kept having to come back to it over and over. And now once for all, once for all, once for all, all right, once for all, we know we're good. And so it lets us see very clearly that the old way of doing things, it was a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. What I just said, that was simply the word of God. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. We need, to, we need to evaluate whether or not we are stepping into a full understanding of Christ and into the fellowship with God that he desires. Uh, let me, I'll show it like this. So here's my phone. Right here on my phone, of course, there's a picture of, I know you can't see this very well. Um, that's me and my wife. And uh, so I love having this picture here because it does remind me to pray for her. Uh, and she knows how much I adore her. And you're like, you talk about your wife. Yeah, I talk about my wife. The two shall become one. Right? Every, every husband and every, every wife should feel about their spouse the way I feel about my spouse. That doesn't mean that we haven't had hard years. Does it mean that we haven't really had difficult times? No. But this, that, this woman right here is a gift from God. And so imagine if I have this picture and I'm always like, oh, there's my wife. And I'm like, oh, she's so amazing. And then I just start hugging on her. Is this weird for anybody else? <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, I started kissing. I'm not doing that. Um, and, and I'm like, oh, you're so amazing. And here's the thing. She was actually here in the first service. Right now she's here serving somewhere in this facility. Um, and so imagine that, though. And yet while ago she was sitting right here. Here's the old way is that we would want to have fellowship with God and we're just looking at a picture and going, oh, you're so amazing, Look, you're so fantastic, I love you. Yeah, I know you love me too. And, and, and you're holding her so close and yet the real thing is right there. Shadow of things to come. Here's a picture of the things to come and yet a greater understanding of fellowship with God is to be had. And there are too many of us still living in the shadow of things to come. Are you following me? Yes? We got it. This is, this is really important because if we started living in the fellowship with God of knowing he's right here rather than in the shadow of things to come, then as a result of that, we start entering and, and stepping into a new life that we've never really known. And so on, they kept having to repeat. They kept looking, okay, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. And they kept repeating the sacrifices, and it was reminding them always of the sin that they had had in their life. But there's a greater fellowship with God to be had. 
And so in verse 2 and 3, it says, Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consequence of sins? It's saying, hey, you kept being reminded of sins every year. Verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We already know that. The blood of bulls covers the blood of Jesus. We got to get it, but we don't function that way. We keep looking at the thing that is a shadow of the things to come rather than stepping into the actual relationship with God. We struggle. In fact, the Hebrew word for atonement, that day of atonement, which was once a year, actually means cover, to cover. We don't get what it means to truly just have the weight removed from our shoulders and to step into the freedom that the new covenant brings in Jesus. He continues in this passage and in verse 5 through 10 what he says is, he's really going back and looking. It's just, a, I'm not going to go to it now because of time. But if you go to Psalm 46 through 8, if you want to write that down, go further in this passage. Psalm 46 through 8. Gives a found, what it does is it gives a foundation for Jesus' sacrifice. All right? Psalm 40 gives a foundation for Jesus' sacrifice called out in these verses. Um, he's letting them know, listen, animal sacrifices not going to please God. God, he always expressed his desire for us to be obedient, not necessarily for sacrifice. He wants us to be obedient to him. And the author here is quoting Psalm 46 to 8, and he's pointing to these words, letting us know that he, he didn't want us just to keep performing the rituals, the routines, or the sacrifices over and over again. He wanted us to step in, and he wanted possession of our hearts. Now, we're, we typically, as people today, especially in the Western world, we're really good here. We're really good here, yeah? Really bad here. Never show emotions. We never say what we really think and feel. We're afraid of what other people are going to think and say of us. And so we just hold it all in. Even if it's anger, whether it's joy, it doesn't matter, right? It's like all of a sudden your favorite team wins the World Series. And you're like, yeah. And you lose your loved one. And you're like, yeah. And like, because we're always the same. We put on this disguise and we don't really live it out. We're good here. We're, we stink here. Anybody know someone who's really good here, smart here, but they struggle here? Anybody know a person like that? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Anybody talking about the person sitting beside him right now? Anybody? Okay. I, all right. Just calling it out. Well, in this passage, what we see is God is wanting to make sure we understand that if we're just walking in the same routine, they had a routine of sacrifices, the old covenant, and so they always had to come back to it. They had a routine. Uh, they had rituals that they would they would always live out. And he's going, it's not just about the rituals. For some of you, coming to church this morning is a routine. You come to this place, you're like, oh, this is what we do on Sunday morning. We're going to get up. And you woke up around 8 o'clock. You sat around. You had a cup of coffee. And then you finally decided, you know what? I'm going I'm to have a shower. That might be a good thing to do. And so then you had a shower. And then you looked on your phone and you checked what everybody else is doing on Facebook or whatever else you do. I don't know exactly. Praise be to God. We couldn't see the market fall anymore because it's Sunday. And so... We're watching all these different things happen, and we're just going, okay, well now, oh, it's time to go to church. So you came to church. 
and it's routine. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm glad you're here. What I'm saying, though, is if it's just a routine, you're missing out on something. It's no different than what we all typically do, right? We're going to go after this. We're going to go have lunch. Maybe you have dinner tonight. Maybe you have dinner or lunch with a friend or family. And for some of you who really love Jesus, what you're going to do is you're going to sit around the table. First thing you do at a table, what do you do? You take a napkin, you put it on your lap, right? Is that what you guys do? I don't think you agree. Um, but you take the napkin, you put it on your lap, and then what do you do? You wait for everybody gets their food. They put it in the front of the table. Nobody takes a bite until everybody has food in front of them. It's called manners, right? You all do that, right? None of you. You're just like, it's time to eat. All right? No, that's what you do. And then before anybody takes a bite, you all grab hands or you at least stand or something, and you say, let's have a prayer. Okay, so eight of you pray before your meal. Um, that's so good. You guys will one day know Jesus. Um, right? And you pray before your meal. But if you say the same thing and if you do it the same way, in time, that is a ritual. A, a healthy discipline can become a ritual if you're not careful. Disciplines are important. I'm all about disciplines in my life. I have a lot of disciplines that I just automatically do no matter what. Because I know how weak I am. And if I don't have those disciplines in place, I won't spend time taking care of my body. I won't spend time in the word of God. I won't spend time praying the way that I need to be praying. And so I have certain disciplines. I pretty much just don't break. But if I'm not careful, those rituals become a routine. And if they become a routine, they lose the significance and the meaning to them. And there's too many of us who have been raised and we have been taught that this is just a ritual and a routine rather than waking up and going, I'm about to go with brothers and sisters to worship the God of creation. Right? That's a different thing. But you don't feel that way because you're going, well, this is what I do. This isn't just what we do. This is what we get to do because we have been redeemed and we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. There's a different thing that comes with it. And he's letting them know, you've just been going by these rituals in the Old Covenant over and over, so you keep having to doing it. You have to do it again, over and over again. But by the blood of Jesus, once for all, say once for all, it's finished. What if we lived like that? It means you wake up differently because you're not pressing repeat on yesterday because you know that every day is a new day in which you get to give glory to God. But we don't live like that. And we get in that routine, we get another, you know what, it's a routine, it's also called a rut. And we get in that rut of just traveling in that same course every single day, and then we go, oh, by his mercies, every day is new. Well, then live like it. But we don't. And he wants us to step into this. To know that Jesus' body, is when we took communion today, Jesus' body is our sacrificial offering once and for all. It is finished. One of the seven last words of Jesus Christ that you find in the gospel as he's hanging on the cross. It is finished. It's done. And so in Psalm 40, 6-8, it says, You have opened my ears. My prayer is that God would open our ears, that he would open our minds, that he would open our hearts to not falling into the routine, the ritual of the old, but step into the new that is with Christ. For the old has gone, the new has come. More scripture. 
I am running behind. Oh, I so badly want us to get it, though. And so then he says, verse 7, 8, 9, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices, offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, he says, what? He says, behold, I have come to do your will. For the second time, behold, I've come to do your will. What we see throughout scripture is Jesus Christ came physically. He's always been since the beginning, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Always been since the beginning, but he came in human flesh 2,000 years ago. When he came, it was all about one thing, doing the will of the Father. So even if you live, so if you really live professing faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't, and you know that that freedom has been paid once for all. When I do this, that means it's you. Once for all. So when, he, when you know, you go, okay, once for all, he's already paid for this, I'm good to go. It doesn't mean you get to do anything you want now. You now step into the same posture that Jesus had when he was on earth, which is to do the will of the Father. So be careful with this. You don't have a get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of, I get to do anything I want. No. You, you go, man, because of what Christ has done, and I understand what he's done for me and the freedom that he's given, you desire to be obedient. That's why I said before, God always speaks about obedience far more than he talks about being sacrificial. He wants your obedience. He's like, do the will of the Father. Jesus Christ came to do the will of the Father. The night before he was crucified, he did what he did, and he knew what he was going to have to do because he was wanting to do the will of the Father. So now that's our posture stepping forward. Behold, I have come to do your will. And so he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we would have been sanctified, sanctified, transformed, right? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And I hope that you can say that you're available to do the will of the Father. Like, are you available right now to do the will of the Father, regardless of what he's asking for you to do? Are you available to do the will of the Father? No matter what, are you a true, I mean, that's, that's big. That means you can't just do routine and then go, oh, God, transformation is a continual, not a one-time. You should know this, people. Dude, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we here to really learn and to absorb the truth so that it will change our lives? Or are we here just to do a routine? I I don't care who it is. You can replace me with anybody you want to. But I will tell you right now, if I'm coming to worship the one true God, I'm coming to worship. I'm about to jack with the camera people. I'm coming to worship, right? I'm coming to worship. Just throw scripture on the screen. Oh, there I am. What's up, man? Um, And I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, because somebody, I'm not here to speak my opinions, right? Am I here to share my preferences? I'm here to share the word of God. And so I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm so sorry for you right now. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, give me some Jesus. Give me some Jesus. Do we not see that we need to be doing it differently? That we're stuck in a routine. We're stuck in rituals. And we don't believe it's been done for us once and for all. Once for all, it is finished. Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. And so we don't walk in a ritual. We walk in a relationship, a fellowship with the one true God that changes and transforms us every single day. That means tomorrow his mercies are new. That means on Tuesday his mercies are new. It means on Wednesday his mercies are new. I have a relationship with the one true God. And if we live like that in this society, blow the walls out. 
If you live like that and your understanding of who Jesus Christ is, you can't tell me in the last week you haven't shared your faith with someone about Jesus Christ. Oh, I had to get my momentum. (laughs) We got to get this. Verse 11 and following. Just go ahead and throw this on the screen. Like this passage, I know these are passages that we run by. They should be a giant battery hooked up to your heart. Eleven through following. Should you stand right now for the reading of the word of God? Oh, I didn't really know. I was like, oh, time. I was going time. Third service can wait. Amen? Amen. Huh. You guys go tell parking. I'm sorry. Okay. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Over and over, there it is. They just keep keep pressing repeat. I hope today you didn't press repeat on what you did last Sunday. I did the same thing. He came and he preached and he got riled up. That's what he does. And we worshiped a little bit. Woo, it was fun. And then I'm just going to go back to your same routine. You know what I'm talking about, friends. Like, there is a movement of God, but we haven't even begun to taste all that the Lord is. <laughs> Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same thing, which can never take away sins. But when Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he didn't have to keep repeating. He sat down at the right hand of the God, uh, right hand of God. So finally, there he is. And I'm walking through this passage as you stand. You need to stand anyway. If I have to stand, you get to stand. Um, we know what's taking place here. He sat down. Like, instead of repeating, he's like, I did it. It's done. Sit down, right hand of the Father. Done. Yeah. So good. Like that, Jesus Christ kicking death in the teeth, right, is called what we would say today is a mic drop. He said, Done. Never to be bettered. Nothing is greater. And he's waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool. One day, his enemies will be made a footstool at his feet. He's going to prop his feet up on them. For by a single offering, he has perfected single offering. Say single offering. You don't have to keep repeating, guys. He's been perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. So here comes that new covenant, right? Community just said it, new covenant. He often refers to that as in terms of his blood in the gospel of Luke. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, what I read from before, those are your two primary passages talking about the Lord's Supper and speaking about that new covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. Mind and heart. It's not one of the two. It is both. 
you may have every bit of knowledge you want. You can be that Gnostic and you're just like, look how brilliant that I am. But if you're not truly a transformed follower of Jesus, you don't know Jesus. It's got to hit this. And then he adds, I'll remember their sins and lawless deeds. What? Say it again, no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Will you please be seated? He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The work of Jesus is capable of saving every single human, but it is only effective in saving those who have actually stepped into a relationship with God and with Jesus Christ, those who are wanting to step into fellowship with God. So your decisions matter. It's another way of thinking. Your decisions matter. Whether or not you're wanting to step into a relationship, into fellowship with God, or if you're simply stepping into that routine. Even in this passage, it's it's Hebrews uh, Hebrews chapter ten gets shorted in many ways. What you have here is a threefold revelation of God, threefold right, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here in this chapter, Hebrews chapter ten verse nine, in the will of God it says. He wants to do the will of God. So there's the Father, Son, the work of Christ, Hebrews 10, 12, the work of Christ. And then the witness of the Spirit in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. And it's like, whoa. This is what we have collectively now for us so that we can be in fellowship with him. And then it lets us know that he will put his laws into our hearts. The new covenant. Here's, here's what the, the new covenant does. Because that's, again, it says, I will put my law into their hearts. The new covenant has to do with your inner transformation. Again, we're really good at this, right? Not so much here. But it's all about inner transformation. It's all about going, wait a second, I don't have to do the routine. Can I tell you why I think we struggle with the whole inner transformation thing? Because again, we know the transformation, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we know it's a continual process, not a one-time event. Sanctification is another way of being able to think about it. Can I tell you why, why we struggle with it? It's very simple. Last week, I was speaking about our need to forgive others. And sometimes we're forcing others to live in the old covenant because we always remind them of how they've wronged us in the past. You all remember this, right? Yes? Okay. Well, I think the reason we struggle with this inner transformation that it's speaking about that comes from what Christ Jesus has done done for us because I think we actually struggle to forgive ourselves. I know that for years. Oh my gosh. For me, um, I, I was always living. Every day I would wake up 
completely achievement-oriented. Like I had, I got to be a good enough leader. I got to be a good enough preacher. I got to be a good enough father. I got to, like, even the way I would parent, it would be more consumed by what others would think of my parenting rather than making sure I was parenting according to the will of God. Anybody relate to this? And so in my job, I had to, if I could be good enough at this or if I could be good enough at this. And what I found is, um, man, I came to a really bad place. Like, bad. Where I, didn't, I was done. I don't want to preach. Sometimes I question about, man, why did I have all, like, just, uh, I want to be careful. I was done. And then finally, finally, praise God, I went from waking up and God got a hold of me. Oh, my goodness. And that's not ever, by the way, that's not a very comfortable time. And he got a hold of me. And then I started waking up and instead of going, I have to achieve enough. I started waking up and I just go, I just need to be faithful. What a difference. Like all of a sudden, have you ever literally felt the weight come off of you? Right? Every single thing that people used to say about me or speak about the churches and whatever it is, I would take it so personal. And all this because I was just about, I got to achieve, I got to do this, got to do this. I, you know, all I got to do is be faithful. Once for all, it is finished. I'm good. And my entire life changed. And some of you, if you really want to be in fellowship with God, you need to recognize that Jesus Christ has also already forgiven you. Again, it doesn't mean you go do whatever you want. Everybody say, I am forgiven. Say it again. Say it again. Jesus stepped into the picture and he says, I want to let you have fellowship with God. You are forgiven. I got you. Once and for all. Once and for all. Once and for all. And all of a sudden it leads to a completely different not life where I'm not in a routine. I'm not in a ritual. I just come before God and say, God, Lord, whatever you want, bring it. I'm here because I trust you. You've never failed me. You're never going to fail me. Whatever you want, I'm here. What, if you want me to come over here, I'm coming over here. If you want me over here, I'm good with it because I trust you. I don't have to be in that, that rut of never changing because I know that the one who asked me to change will never forsake me. What a beautiful story. There is complete forgiveness in Jesus. It is finished. I, I like having the picture. But now, I just get to go to him. And it is so good. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you have. There is nothing greater than knowing, once for all, Jesus Christ has paid it all. To God be glory. Will you stand with me? God, I come before you and I give you thanks and I worship you because I adore you once for all. 
once for all. You've done it all for us. And so we step in and we give you thanks and worship and admiration. Lord, we adore you. Because we know that the world is hurting. We know that the world is broken. But there is hope in the name of Jesus. There's grace in the name of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. May my friends step into that grace, that forgiveness, once for all. Amen.